The following is a President's Chapel by Professor Joel Kim, President of Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this chapel message or about Westminster Seminary, California, visit wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474. wscal.edu, 888-480-8474. Turn with me to Psalm 73, verses 23 to 26. Psalm 73, verses 23 to 26. Hear now the word of the Lord. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So for the reading of his word, let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Be with us this morning, O Lord. Comfort us with your word. Challenge and stretch us by them. Allow us to grow before you so that we may more reflect your glory as well as your image. That in all that we do, we may bring glory and honor to you, even in the midst of many challenges and responsibilities before us, not only now, but the weeks to come. Allow us to fixate and fix our eyes upon you and you alone. May not the temptation of the right grades, the right way of saying things, or perhaps even the eyes of those who are around us. Lord, make us swerve left or right away from your word, but allow us to see you and glory in you and find rest in you alone. For we pray these things in the name of your precious Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. It's hard for me to believe that our year is coming to an end. I realize that you feel like this is premature, You have your papers due tomorrow. Maybe most of you are already done. You have finals. (laughs) That indicates the fact that you are not, but great to see you here nonetheless. We recognize that you have a few more finals to take care of. If we look back upon the last nine or ten months, we we see quickly how, how quickly the time has passed, and so many things have transpired in between September and now May as we sit and look at the end of our year responsibilities. There's this one quote by John Calvin in his commentary on Psalm 73 that stuck with me for some time for the last couple months. John Calvin, in reading through this psalm, says simply, as to ourselves, experience shows how slight impressions we have of the providence of God. We no doubt all agree in admitting that the world is governed by the hand of God. But were this truth deeply rooted in our hearts, our faith will be distinguished by far greater steadiness and perseverance in surmounting the temptations with which we are assailed in adversity. But when the smallest temptations which we meet with dislodges this doctrine from our minds, it is manifest that we have not yet been truly and in good earnest convinced of its truth. The last line says again, but when the smallest temptations which we meet that dislodges this doctrine from our minds, 
it is manifest that we have not yet been truly and in good earnest convinced of its truth. We recognize our weakness, and in fact, the psalmist here is undergoing a crisis of confidence of sorts. Many issues are presented before us as he struggles within himself, as he thinks about the world around him, as he thinks about his own sinfulness and shortcomings, and as he looks forward to see the future, which seems at times very dark to him. 73.26 summarizes simply by saying, my flesh and my heart may fail. My flesh and my heart may fail. For you see, Psalm 73 begins a series of psalms that express the psalmist's longing, an honest list of personal distress and crisis of faith. He speaks of his envy and struggles at seeing the success of the ungodly and the success of others that go beyond the reach of his own abilities. When he says in verses 2 and 3, But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, he says. He then further on says in verse 12, Behold, these are the wicked, always at, always at ease. They increase in riches. I'm not sure if you've ever, ever felt that way. That seems seemingly success, as well as leisure, seem to be someone else's lot beyond me and beyond my ability to experience and see on a daily basis. He expresses the seeming pointlessness of living faithfully before the Lord in the midst of faithlessness. He simply says, what's the point in verse 13 when he says, all in vain, all in vain, have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. All this leading him to be confused and at times burdened that he expresses this way when he says in verse 16, it seemed to me a wearisome task a burdensome task for me to continue on this faithful task as well as road when everything seems to indicate otherwise. As one commentator says, he faced severe temptation to abandon his godliness and to follow the wicked into worldliness. It seems so much more pleasurable, so much easier for us to follow that path. Perhaps unconsciously, Many of us emulate the psalmist's instinct to look to ourselves in saying that we know what we ought to feel and think and believe in the midst of challenging circumstances. Often we turn inward to think to ourselves how we ought to believe, how we ought to think, or perhaps even act in the midst of our difficulties. And when we look to ourselves, we despair often. Like the psalmist, we cannot help but feel helpless, powerless and impotent. We find that we cannot even help ourselves, let alone change the circumstances or the people around us or the world in which we live. One of the most frustrating things for pastoral ministries and pastors we hear from surveys is the very fact that they feel futile in their desire to change and transform people's lives. Indeed, even the thought of perhaps even engaging in this way, feels wearisome to us indeed. Or perhaps the opposite reaction is true. When we look to ourselves, we despise. Sometimes we despair, sometimes we despise, like the psalmist, feeling superior even in the midst of personal despair and wondering why others are not doing what they're supposed to be doing in the first place. 
Even God is not spared in this questioning, as he says in verse 21, when my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you, he says. I'm not sure how many of us feel that way or perhaps have become a brute when it comes to our responses to the Lord. Providence doesn't seem right to us at times, and we react in a harsh way, not only to others around us, but even to the Lord. The Bible is full of these but-I moments. Perhaps you are like most students who make firm resolutions at the beginning of each semester saying, this, this semester, I'm going to finish all my papers the first half of the semester. And then like every other semester, you come back on the last two days of the semester trying to finish out the last pages of your paper where you say, I need to do this, but I, well, I'm busy with family. But I am busy with ministry, but I have so many other responsibilities that are before us. And oftentimes, we do look inward. And but I becomes the catchword for many of the excuses we have around us. Abraham, when he was promised offsprings, he said, but I am too old, he said. God sends Moses, but Moses' response was, but I am of slow of tongue. Gideon was commanded to lead, but he said, but I am not certain of the calling. Perhaps I need to test the Lord to see exactly what he wants us to do. Elijah was shown God's power, but I am tired. I no longer want to carry on the responsibilities that the Lord had placed before me. Isaiah was asked to send, but I, he said, am a man of unclean lips. I do find it interesting that God doesn't correct these individuals. In fact, nor does he promise to change their circumstances. And it's easy for many of us, not only those who walk before us, easy for us to default to a but-I thought process and mindset. I am told, at least in my new role in thinking through my responsibilities, I am told the definition of leadership is, quote, the art of disappointing people at a rate they can stand. Um, <laughs> Maybe that's going to be pastoral ministry for all of us, disappointing people at a rate they can stand. Uh, the, the joke in my household, when my child is upset with me, I simply say to him or her, take a number. Because uh, my guess is that I'll see you about a year from now is what I'm thinking. All this is to indicate that the task is beyond us and certainly beyond me. And the delicate dance of calling and acceptance of one's inadequacy becomes a major portion of our own thought process as well as our prayers. Just to repeat what Calvin said, as to ourselves, experience shows how slight impressions we have of the providence of God, where the smallest temptations which we meet that dislodges this doctrinal providence from our minds, it is manifest that we have not yet been truly and in good earnest convinced of the truth of the Lord's leading. How do we keep faith in a faithless age? And how does the church and the pastors and leaders of the church remain faithful in an age when faithfulness is not valued or prized and the odds of success seem long to us on a daily basis? This is where Psalm 73 verse 26 says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Not but I, but God. 
This follows a vivid imagery of God's leading in the author's life in verses 23 and 24. I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me into glory, the psalmist says. At every point, when the psalmist doubted the providence and the presence of God, the problem was not with the Lord, but with the psalmist. It's his spiritual amnesia that is unable to remember the Lord's faithfulness in the past. It's eyes blackened with our own sinfulness, unable to witness and see the Lord's very presence and his fingerprints all over the events as well as the circumstances that face us on a daily basis. That God grasps, guides, and then glorifies is indeed echoed in the words of Paul. In Romans 8:28, when he says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And this verse certainly informs our soteriology. And the technical discussions are a necessary component of our discussion of Romans 8. Yet... Oftentimes, these discussions mask the point that Paul wants to drive home. Paul says without equivocation and hesitation, God is in control. God is in control. He cares for you who are in Christ Jesus, and he will one day bring you home. Nothing on this side of glory, whether it be inside us or outside of us, will ever hinder us for coming into his presence and to see him without a veil, as that famous hymn says. He will bring us home, and he will spare nothing in providing for your needs, perhaps not our wants. And there is nothing that happens in the world around us that will prevent the Lord's will being completed in Christ Jesus. But God, the psalmist says, and Paul loves this phrase, Ephesians 2 says, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, but God, being rich in mercy, made us alive. Romans 5.8 talks about our weaknesses, and he ends by saying, but God shows his love for us. In that, while we were still sinners, still sinners, Christ died for us. Perhaps in one of his more intimate moments, in 2 Corinthians 1.8, he shares his difficulties this way. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. He talked about not only God being their comfort, but that comfort received leads us to comfort others. And then he talks about his various trials and struggles when he says, We do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself, Paul said. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely. And he, this is the thought that he's driving us toward when he says, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God, he says. That was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God, but on God who raises the dead. 
He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope that He will deliver us again. In seeing ourselves, everything seems impossible, insurmountable perhaps, before us. Yet this is not about relying on ourselves. All these challenges, as well as the questions before us, force us to say that we are not the Christ's. But to simply say we rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us in Christ Jesus, and he will deliver us Again, that's the foundation upon which you and I stand. Thus, the psalmist resolves to do this when he says, but for me, it is good to be near God. May I just be a reminder to you in the midst of your busyness for the next couple weeks, I recognize that one of the first things that students jettison are moments of prayer and sometimes times of reflecting upon the word that is given to us. And this is a reminder to all of us. This is good for us. This is the medicine for our souls. It's the comfort and rest we need. It is good to be near God. I have made the Lord my God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. Even in the midst of where we are, we are experiencing his goodness to us. Indeed, so that you and I may declare his goodness to the world. One pastor simply said, sometimes we don't know, but we know that God knows, and that's enough. Sometimes we don't know, but we know God knows, and that's enough. Perhaps as we end our year, I can let John Calvin have the first word and the last word. His commentary on Psalm 73 is really delightful and encouraging. And I want to encourage you to perhaps reflect upon those words as well. What the psalmist cannot find in himself, you see here, he finds holy in God. As John Calvin states, separated from God, I am nothing. Separated from God, I am nothing. And all that I attempt to do ends in nothing. But when I come to him, I find an abundant supply of strength. But when I come to him, I find an abundant supply of strength. Friends, those of you who are graduating this semester, may the Lord bless you, that wherever you go, you may witness and experience the Lord's abundant strength in Christ Jesus. For those who are returning and finishing up your exams at this point and trying to survive for the next couple weeks, as you draw near to him, may the Lord give you abundant strength in all that you do to carry on and finish well. For those of us all who belong to this community of Westminster Seminary, California, and our friends, dear brothers and sisters, who surround us with prayers as well as their treasures to encourage us in the tasks that are before us, may the Lord be with us. May the Lord be with us that we rely not upon ourselves or anything that this world can supply, but on God alone, that he may be our heart and our portion forever, the supply of strength and comfort and rest necessary for us to carry on the tasks before us. Let's turn to the Lord in prayer. We give you thanks, O Lord, this morning for your sustaining grace throughout this year, O Lord.
There are many moments, O oh Lord, we were burdened beyond our strength, yet those are the moments where you are teaching us, O oh Lord, to rely not upon ourselves, but upon you. You are so faithful to us. You who raise the dead will raise us again and continue to strengthen us, O oh Lord, to carry on with our task daily. Thank you for using our meager gifts for your kingdom good and for your people. Allow us, O oh Lord, to be able to serve you faithfully by the leading and the strengthening of your Holy Spirit. Be with all of us, both faculty and staff and students, O oh Lord, as we finish out our school year. Allow us to be faithful not only in seeking excellence in the work that we do, but in moments of quiet as well as busyness, allow us to fixate our eyes upon you and depend on you wholly, that we are able to say at the end of this road, we did not do it, but God did it all. Even as we face the challenging times before us, as many things are so quickly changing around us, even in the midst of the life storm, O oh Lord, allow us to rely upon you alone so that your glory as well as your strength and power may be seen in us. We give you thanks, O oh Lord, for your kindness to us. And it's in the name of your son, precious Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Copyright Westminster Seminary, California. 2019. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.